don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. me. In the pants, left the roof at the dealership. All right, all right, welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is, fan in the van podcast time. Uh, I figured I'd uh, do one before work here, so uh, let's just get right into it. Uh, wild card weekend, and boy, what a wild card weekend this was. Um, you know, for those who follow me on Twitter, you know I love to bash NFL officiating. And you, yet again, the NFL officiating crews give me yet another reason and a lot of the fans a reason to sit here and fucking bash you. You know, look in the look in the Bengal Raider game. You know, an inadvertent whistle. You know, the rules is clear as day. An inadvertent whistle. The you know the play is blown dead. You know, you have to replay the down. And what do they do? Nope. Let's just give them the touchdown there. And we all know if that was you know a Steeler game, they would have adhered to the rule. But because they didn't, Jerome Booger and that crew now. You know, you kind of played yourselves there. Um, you know, you're not going to be officiating in the playoffs again. And, you know, not to say would the Raiders have won that game if that touchdown was called back and they replay it. Does Cincinnati score there anyway? Probably. Because Burrow was picking picking the Raiders secondary off, you know, left and right. He was carving them up for days. Um, you know, they they really couldn't stop mixing. Um, but... <sighs> You know, you just see you see it across the league. It, it you know it's a it's a it's a league wide issue. It's just not your favorite team that's getting screwed by the officials. It's across the whole league, and you know we've been saying it for days, weeks, months. You know since Moses parted the Red Sea, you know this has been a problem. And even with replay, and they still couldn't get this right. Even with the rule book in their back pocket, and they still can't get this right. It is. It is, for a better lack of term, it's bullshit. You know, the rule clearly states it, but yet you think you're above the rules. And you're the official. You should have known better, especially a guy like Jerome Booger, who's been an official for, what, 10 plus years now? If not longer? You got to know better than that. Um, You know, you had the, the Bills-Patriot game. All I got to say is this. You can talk about Belichick being the genius all you want, but to me... He's overrated. And, you know, is he a good coach? Yeah, he's a good coach. Is he a great coach? Yeah, he's a great coach. But I think he's overrated because for a lot of years, he's had a a component of weapons from Brady to Gronk to Brady to Edelman to Brady to Chris Hogan to Brady to Randy Moss to, you know, you name them, Brady's had them. And through all the stuff that New England has gotten away with, you know, Deflategate, Spygate, Robert Kraft's Jerkoffgate, you know... The tuck rule, the tuck rule and the whistle rule will now go down in infamy in NFL history as two, two bogus bullshit rules that you'll never see again that may have altered, you know, the, the history of the NFL. The tuck rule definitely altered it because if they called it a fumble there like they should, you know, the Oakland Raiders go on and I think they win the Super Bowl that year and that changes the Tom Brady's legacy at this point. Brady has one less Super Bowl. They may not have any more Super Bowls after that. We don't know. Um, 
does this game, the you know, the Raiders-Cincinnati game, does this give Cincinnati that, that spark to go all the way? I don't think they're going to go all the way. But do they have a shot? They, they have a shot, but there's still a few pieces away from being that Kansas City-type team where it's like, oh, we got to play these guys, and, you know, we're just going to get screwed no matter what we try to do here. Um, but in the Buffalo, the, the, the Buffalo-New England game, and... <laughs> This is hilarious. So Kendrick Bourne scores late in the fourth quarter, and everybody, I'm, I'm watching it. Me and Jay are sitting there watching. I'm like, why does he keep pointing at his mouth for? Somebody decides to throw a goddamn dildo on at him onto the field. Does security not check you people before you walk into an arena? How the hell did you manage? Now, I don't know if it was a guy who threw a dildo. I don't know if it was a broad that threw a dildo. Either which way, how the hell did you get a dildo into a football stadium? My God, security must be as dumb as half the freaking fan base, especially in Cleveland. And that I'm going to discuss because you had Joe Thomas, who played for Cleveland pretty much his whole career, if I'm not mistaken. All of a sudden, he decides to get all chatty on, on Twitter, you know, talking about, oh, here's the Steelers participation trophy. Well, Joe Thomas... When was the last time you were in the playoffs? Hmm. 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 I'd have to say never. Um, when was the last time you were relevant? I'd ha- also have to say never. When was the last time Cleveland was ever relevant? Never. When was the last time Cleveland was ever a threat to any team in the NFL, let alone even in the AFC North? Um, never. I don't know what it is with you Cleveland Browns fans. I don't get your... I don't get your whole thought process to come at a fan base that's more knowledgeable than you, tougher than you, and just, in essence, it's just a better fan base, and the team's a better franchise than yours. I I mean, you guys have not been a threat ever. You had one playoff win against us last year. You beat Mason Rudolph in, in you know in week 17 the, the year prior. Ooh, you beat Mason Rudolph and you barely did that. And you and you guys in Cleveland, you still think Baker Mayfield's your answer. You think he's the LeBron of the Cleveland Browns. Really? Cause the fuck he isn't. Okay? Baker Mayfield in two to three years will be nothing more than a friggin' broke man Nick Foles. Okay? That's all he's going to be. He's going to wind up becoming a journeyman quarterback. All Baker Mayfield is is a sober Johnny Manziel. That's all Baker Mayfield really is. But we have to get into the Chiefs-Steeler game. Everybody wrote the Steelers off. And listen, this game was not pretty on both sides of the ball to start the game. Um. You can tell that TJ's getting sick and tired of being held on every play, and now he's getting vocal about it with the with the officials. And the officials still don't call them. You know, they'll throw one here or there to appease them, but this is the problem in the NFL. You want to call them all the time, and then when you blatantly see them and then you don't want to call them, but I'm not going to sit there and be that Steeler fan that says officiating is what cost us the game. What cost us the game is horrible play calling. Deontay decides to have the worst game of his life with the drops yesterday. Um, you know, this offensive line not being able to protect Ben at times, poor execution on play calling, you know, is another thing. You can't expect his defense to bail you out all the time. You know, you, you had the punt return by McCall, uh, yeah, 
was it? Yeah, it was the punt return. You know, Hardman almost takes it to the house. Derek Watt saves it, you know, and knocks him out of bounds. Following play, they go for a wildcat. TJ recovers the fumble. You figure, all right, this is the spark now. This is the spark we need. You know, now it's like you have Kansas City against the ropes, and then all of a sudden it just went. And then they decide to come back late. And you're not going to win games coming back late. You're not going to do it. You know, and you would think in Ben's final game, they would have played a hundred times better than they really would have. I'm sitting there, you know, it got to a point where Kansas City ran out of friggin' fireworks on touchdowns. You know, I see I, I seen on Twitter, you know, these Steeler fans are sitting there, these supposed rider dies. Oh, well. Good thing during halftime I found that, you know, Made Manhattan's on. I'm going to go watch that or or this is on or I'm going to go watch Naked and Afraid. I, 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 I can't. I can't. I sat there knowing I had to be up early for work and I sat there and watched this thing to the end to watching Ben walk down the tunnel to Ben's press conference to just everything. And you want, and some people want to call my loyalty into question. Well, I'm not the one who went to go watch friggin' Made Manhattan, you know, 90 Day Fiance, you know, Locked Up in Abroad, whatever the fuck it is, some of you friggin' decide to watch, okay? Now, getting off that though, do I think that that was Ben's last game? I got asked that yesterday by somebody. Do you think this is it? And I've been asked this over the course of the past two weeks, no matter where I go, whether it's at work, I go to the cigar lounge, and my answer's still the same. Yes, this has to be Ben's last season. There is no way I would come back. If I'm Ben Roethlisberger, there is no way I come back. No way I come back with this makeshift offensive line and Matt Canada being the offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. If I'm the Roonies, today is the day where I say, Tom, Mike Tomlin, you know, we're not going to fire you. We're going to get you a better offensive coordinator. We're going to get you a better defensive coordinator. You know, because now Mike Tomlin's got a lot more pressure on him because after, after Colbert does this NFL draft, in which Tomlin has a lot of say in it, Tomlin, I've read, is, is going to be the temporary G. He's going to be the head coach slash GM. And speaking of of that, I got asked, what do I think as far as, you know, the Rooney rule? And to me, I think this is an utter joke within the NFL. Um, Obviously, we had Black Monday and Joe Judge and countless others get fired. And then here comes, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, and David Cooley of the Texans gets fired. Huh? Like... You fire a guy off of one year when you as the organization bullshitted your franchise quarterback. Then your quarterback gets into a world of trouble as far as did he not whip it out to let girls tug on it? Did he force them to, did he force them to tug it? I don't know, and I really don't care. But how do you sit there as the Houston Texans... And you fire a guy off of one year when David Davis Davis Mills showed some promise. Tyrod Taylor looked good at times. But you put nothing around this coach to even prove he can handle the job. And then you fire him. 
So it's almost like, do these teams just hire a minority coach just to appease the NFL, Goodell, and the Rooney rule? Whereas the Steelers take the Rooney rule seriously, not just because their owner, their owner's name is attached to this rule or that, or that any Rooney in the organization feels it should be fair across the board, you know, that minorities should have a chance to head coach in the NFL and they rightfully should, you know, when you look at, look at Brian Flores in Miami. Yeah. He had two winning years, but there was a lot behind the scenes that we didn't know that's coming out now that. Him and Tua were fighting. He told Tua, if I knew you were going to be this bad, I would have drafted friggin' Mac Jones. No, what you should have done is if you knew that Tua wasn't going to be up to your standards, you know who you should have drafted, Miami? Steven Ross and Brian Flores and the schmucks down there in Miami? You should have drafted the kid that's flourishing in L.A., Justin Herbert. That's who you should have got. Okay, but you didn't. Instead, you went with Tua Tonga Viola because he was the hot name coming out, but you also knew he was damaged goods. You knew he had that Bo Jackson hip injury, and nobody knew how it would affect him coming into the NFL. Now, is Tua progressing? Yes, Tua is progressing. But like I've said before, and many other people have agreed, you could disagree, but all I know is this. It takes some of these kids a bit more time to adapt to the NFL style of play. I really can't say that for Mason Rudolph because here comes everything after the game now of, well, who's the quarterback going to be for the Steelers? We have bigger issues in Pittsburgh to worry about than who's replacing Roethlisberger right now. And even if it is Mason Rudolph, even if they go and make a trade for Russell Wilson, even if they can bring Aaron Rodgers in, Mason Rudolph's not filling Ben's shoes. Russell Wilson's not doing it either. And Aaron Rodgers is going to cost you too much money to get. So that's not happening. Okay? But going back to the Rooney rule here. Okay? You can't force teams to hire a minority to be the head coach, a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, linebackers coach, quarterback coach, and down the line. But is it unfair that when a guy like Eric Bieniemy, who has been the hottest name out there for the past five, six years, doesn't get an opportunity to coach, when now they're talking about what all these head coaching positions open, that Josh McDaniels may take a head coaching job, that Dan Quinn is going to get that because Dan Quinn you know, revamp that Dallas defense that really did oh so well in stopping Debo Samuel yesterday, by the way, right? That he'll get a head coaching job somewhere, okay? Of all the head coaching jobs, to me, Eric Bieniemy, if he's smart, if he's smart, he takes the Miami job. He takes the Miami job because it's a young team with a young quarterback who can somewhat play to a Patrick Mahomes style if he can groom Tua to play that way. Okay. You have the Houston Texans who recently just interviewed Heinz Ward. Do I think Heinz Ward gets the Texans job? No. But is that a is that for a guy who's never been a head coach before, is that a bad spot for him to land? No, because Houston is just gonna be in a total friggin' rebuild that maybe Hines Ward could bring that Pittsburgh style grit to Houston 
But as far as I'm concerned, I don't think Houston wants a minority coach. I think Houston, in essence, hired a minority to appease Deshaun Watson to maybe change his mind in order to play. But as we've seen, he wouldn't have been able, he could have played this season. But do you blame Deshaun Watson? When you tell him, hey, listen, you're going to be able to have a say in, you know, who the GM is going to be. Five minutes later, you go and hire Nick Cesaro out of New England without even going to your franchise quarterback that you just gave a four or five year, $160 million extension to. It makes no sense in Houston. Makes no sense in Houston. You have the Denver job that's open. You know, you got Byron Leftwich out there that's interviewing for head coaching jobs. Byron Leftwich should get a head coaching job before friggin', you know, before Josh McDaniels. We've seen what Josh McDaniels has done as a head coach. Okay. I think it's time that some of these NFL franchises need to get out of their archaic way of thinking to realize that maybe, and maybe in Houston, they, they don't think about, you know, let's call what it is, that an African-American can't be a better coach than a white male. Okay? I see it differently. I don't see it as whether you're black or white. If you could do the job, you could do the job. I mean, look at Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is the ultimate prime example. At any point, Pittsburgh could have did away with Mike Tomlin. But if you look at how Pittsburgh does business and how and, and their standard, look at how many coaches they've had in their existence. And then look at teams like Cleveland that have had like 30-something coaches during their whole time of being a franchise and like 100 quarterbacks. And yet Pittsburgh has had only three head coaches in their existence. Noel, Cower, Tomlin. And people could sit there and say, well, of course the Rooney's going to keep Tomlin. They're never going to fire him because they have to adhere to the Rooney rule because it was because it's named after the ownership of the Steelers. No, the Steelers could turn around and say, Mike, you're not getting the job done. Bye. See you later. Thank you for 15 plus years of being the head coach here. But we need to go a different direction and bring in somebody who could be better. They could easily do that. But they believe in Mike Tomlin. And it's not just because he's black. It's because they believe in him. They see something in Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin has a lot of what Pittsburgh needs. You could say what you want about Mike Tomlin. He's overrated. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's that, okay? One thing Mike Tomlin is good at that nobody can deny is scouting. Because look at look at draft, draft years of the past. Alex Highsmith of recent. Look at what Alex Highsmith's starting to become. Who do you think scouted him? Mike Tomlin did. T.J. Watt. Mike Tomlin scouted him. Ryan Shazier. Mike Tomlin scouted him. Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, I'll give Edmonds some credit. Mike Tomlin. I could go on, but I'm not going to because I'll just keep proving my point every step of the way. You know, as far as all these head coaching jobs, though, if Eric Bieniemy doesn't get it, doesn't get a head coaching job, they'll tell you it's because he doesn't interview well. I don't think that's it. I think again, a lot of these guys are still 
taking what he his past, and I forget what his past issue was, but at the end of the day, give the guy a shot at being a head coach. You know, as far as taking the Houston job from Heinz Ward, I'd have to question it. You know, from Heinz Ward, I'd have to look at it as, well, they let this guy go after a year, and if I come in and they make no changes, then I just, I just... At the end of the year, I'm just going to suffer the same fate as David Cooley just did. Now, is David Cooley the right coach for Houston? No. But again, I just think personally, and this is just my opinion, that I think they just did it to appease Deshaun Watson and just say, okay, you want a minority coach? Here, we got you one. But did you, but did you get the right minority coach? I think he got the best what he could out of all those players in Houston. Do I think they would have played for him again this year? Yeah. But Houston's got a lot of shit to figure out. And on the other side of the coin, because I brought up Flores before, and I bring up Watson, well, apparently these guys have been communicating about wanting to wind up on the same team. And that team is, and I know, listen, I already know a lot of the, a lot of. What this fan base already thinks and says, New York Giants, listen, I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you on this. I would take Flores in because he's not a bad head coach and he's a New York guy, okay? But I'm not trading the future for Deshaun Watson. Granted, the only upside is this, is that he has one more year added to his career because he hasn't played this year. So he's one more year healthier. Okay, this is the upside. The downside is this, is that he hasn't played in a year, is one. Two, Houston wants a King's Ransom, and you have everything Houston's looking for because you have two prime picks in this year's draft. I think it's the fifth and the seventh pick. You're going to have to give up both of those plus next year's, plus second-round draft picks and third-round draft picks, and you have to take his contract, and you have no money to do that right now. But that's not the real reason a lot of Giants fans don't want Deshaun Watson. They don't want to deal with his legal nonsense. Of If you trade for him and then all of a sudden you gave up half the future when you're trying to rebuild, and then you, you, you get him... You make all the moves you have to make to make make cap space. And then here it is now. Deshaun Watson can't play in the NFL till, you know, hand job gate is figured out. Okay. And with that, I agree with you. As an outsider looking in, I agree with the giant fan base that I would I would want no part of that. My buddy John says he wants no part of it because and that, and mainly it's because of the legal shit. Okay. Nobody's sitting here bashing Deshaun Watson's style of play because the kid is talented. Okay, the kid's got an arm, he's mobile, he's everything you're looking for in a quarterback. But again, it's the the off-the-field stuff that's hurting his career right now. Whether he did it or not, we don't know. We don't know. And we can't jump to conclusions because you're getting these accusers' side of the story. You're getting Watson's side of the story. You're getting the sports media side of the story. And it's the same thing in the Antonio Brown saga. And listen, I was talking to somebody at the, at the Cigar Lounge the other night, and they asked me about the Antonio Brown thing. And I said, listen, I agree with what some of Antonio has said. 
as much as I have bashed his situations in the past and pre and previous in the past few days, but he had a, a few valid points. If if Tom Brady's his boy and Tom Brady's his friend, and now this is Antonio Brown saying this, this is not Jim saying this. Okay, Antonio Brown's on a podcast and he said, if I'm Tom Brady's boy, why is it I'm playing on this bullshit earning deal? And Gronk, who didn't play for over a year, gets this amazing deal. I said it last week and I'll say it again. This is why Antonio Brown got the earning deal, because Tampa didn't want to take the risk financially of giving him a two, three year deal, 30 plus million and whatever incentives to go on and then this happen and then them be on the hook for this contract. So it was a smart play by Tampa. Now I'll give Antonio Brown credit on this. Antonio Brown admitted that maybe the way he handled the situation of MetLife wasn't the best way to handle it. But it's too late. It's too late. I get in the heat in a moment. We've all done it. We all sit there a day or two later and go, you know, if I just did this instead of this. So, you know, you can't really fault him for saying it now. You know, even though I, I clapped and I said it's too late. But, you know, he has been in talks with Tom Brady after the fact. You know, you look at Tristan Warfs yesterday. He's, he's out with an ankle injury. Same one similar to Antonio Brown. Are we starting to see... Something happened here? I wonder. Well, you know, was Tristan Worfs medically cleared? Was Tristan Worfs in- injected with the same painkiller that Antonio Brown was injected with? We don't know. We don't know. But what I do know is that as far as the Antonio Brown saga goes, we haven't heard the end of it. We don't know what's going to happen as far as you know, are they going to go after Tampa? Are they going to investigate their medical practice? Are they going to this? Are they going to that? We don't know yet. I mean, they just finally took accountability with NFL officiating by saying Jerome Booger and his crew can't ref another game the rest of the playoffs. Only took you 40 plus fucking years, Goodell. Only took you 40 plus fucking years to find, you know, even though you weren't the commissioner for 40 years, but finally... After all this time, there's some accountability. Some. But now what are you going to do as far as, you know, the Dallas Cowboy game? You know, listen, we all know the rule. You have to hand the ball to the official. The official has to spot the ball. Cowboys fans can sit there and whine and cry all you want. But let me tell you this. It's also the costly penalties that cost you that game. Okay? It's, It's clock management, timeout management. It's a lot of things. And... Dak Prescott could come out and say credit to the fans for throwing trash on the uh, you know at, at, you know at the players leaving the stadium you know going into the locker room. Why would you credit them for that? Why? So so you credit them you credit them for throwing trash at you guys leaving the field. So do you credit them for going after 49ers fans in the parking lot leaving the arena too? Do you credit them for that? Because you Cowboys fans, I'm not going to say all of you, but some of you are the most saltiest douchebags I've ever fucking heard speak existence on this planet. You know, Jerry Jones would come out and say, you know, with, you know, with this group of talent, you know, we should have went further. You know, Jerry Jones, you're absolutely right. But here's your problem. 
You have an overhyped coach in Mike McCarthy that maybe you should maybe let the kid, Kellen Moore, maybe coach his team. You might have a better shot. Okay, you may want to get yourself from out of the Ezekiel Elliott deal because he's done nothing for you since this deal or have him restructure it and give some of the money back. Then you could go out and get another running back. Uh, listen, they have a decent they have decent weapons that Tony Pollard was better than Ezekiel Elliott. Tony freaking Pollard. You know, Amari Cooper is he, a, is he a great wide receiver? No, he's a good wide receiver. C.D. Lamb's coming into his own. You know, they got that Tay, uh, Tavon Austin, I think his name is. He's a decent weapon. You know, they lost Gallup in, I think, week 18, which was a blow for them. They have a decent defense. You know, Trayvon Diggs, listen, you can have all the interceptions in the world, but it's the yards after a catch that you give up are insane. It's insane. But, I, but before I go, I have to take issue with one more thing. And that's this PFF, these PFF douchebags that Chris Collinsworth is associated with. On Twitter, they say that Miles Garrett should be Defensive Player of the Year. Those who follow me and you've seen me go after them. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I went after him. I'm surprised I'm not blocked yet. That's the main mission here. I just need to get under their skin or get them to finally comment back and be like, well, if you could do this better than us, then you come here and do it. Because I will. Because you're not looking at the stats. You just sit there, oh, well, Miles Garrett did this, this, and this. Okay, but Miles Garrett did it in X amount of games. TJ Watt played two less games and almost broke the single sack record. Okay. Okay, then they post this stat of, of Devonta Smith yesterday with they, that he only had one catch for six yards. And I said, congratulations, you got something right. I said, but you schmucks still think Miles Garrett should be Defensive Player of the Year or that Aaron Donald should be Defensive Player of the Year. I said, do you guys even watch the game or are you guys just sitting there teabagging the shit out of each other? Come on. The stats are the stats. They're in black and white. You can see them. I can see them. The world can see them. And we all know that between Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, nobody did it better than TJ. And if TJ gets screwed again this year, well, fuck PFF, fuck Roger Goodell, fuck the voting committee, and fuck it all. Okay? How's that? How's that? You know, people ask me, who do I think the rookie of the year should be? Yeah, Najee's a finalist, but Jamar Chase had a stellar friggin' rookie year. That Jamar Chase should win it. Now, if the voting committee decides to say, hey, well, you know what? Najee did this, 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 and this. And they give it to Najee. Fine. That's all well and good. But do I think Jamar Chase should win it over Najee? Yes. I do. Because I, for one, have seen what Jamar Chase has done. Because unlike the guys at PFF, I don't watch just highlights. I watch the whole damn game. That's why I know what I know, and that's why I could speak what I speak and say what I say and think what I think. Okay, so Chris Collinsworth and the douchies over there at PFF, you know, maybe you should let a real fan, like NFL officiating, you know, how is it that us assholes who watch every single Thursday, Sunday, Monday, the occasional let's move the game to Tuesday and Saturday, 
you know, we, you know, when the games are on Saturday in December. How is it we could see these penalties from the couch and you can't? I, I, I have to know. I have to know. Please, just, just somebody tell me. How is it that we could see what's going on with, the, with, with a shittier view? We're not there. You're there on the field, and you have you have a sideline judge, a back judge, this judge, that judge. You have all these pair of eyes and a replay official. Where's the replay officials in, in the in the American American Alliance Football League? You used to be able to hear them during the replay, and they're like, "Okay, well, this happened, this happened, da 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 da." And you know what? The NFL should adapt to that one. And two, if there's a pass interference on it, the NFL you should be allowed to throw throw a flag for that. Get something right within the fucking NFL for once. Get the officiating right. It doesn't have to be perfect, but get it consistent. Please, for the love of God. But with that being said, I got to start getting ready for work. So, obviously, you know where to find all the podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Podchaser, Bullhorn, Good Pods. You know, pretty much wherever wherever podcasts are streamed from. You can find us there. Videos are always up on YouTube. You know, again, to all those that listen, retweet, follow, you know, we appreciate it. And um, again, any questions, if you follow me on Twitter, my DM box is always open. I'm not afraid to answer a question. I'm not afraid to go and debate with you on something. If you want to get together and, and do a podcast together, I'm fine with that as well. I just got to fit it into my schedule. But other than that, Everybody stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the NFL playoffs. Um, You know, I'll probably do another one before the end of the week, and hopefully me and Jay can do one Sunday. Uh, So till then, stay safe, mask up, and as always, peace.